Welcome back to Tapping Into Crypto. We're here to give you your fortnightly market update. I'm Pav, and with me, Tommy. I'm here, Pav. You're here? It's good to hear, mate. I am here, man. <laughs> but uh, it's been awesome. Just uh, obviously, before we were prepping for this podcast, just starting to just tune in to what the markets are doing. We're starting to see some green. How good does it feel? Bullish edition. This is the bullish edition of the podcast today. We've just seen Bitcoin break out literally as we start recording. So um, it's a good time. So we haven't seen anything exciting for uh, a couple of months now. <laughs> Absolutely. I know definitely when the giggles are starting in the office, you know, the good things are coming. So can't confirm any giggles being had at the moment. Lots of very coy young boys, but um, yeah, it's all exciting. More on that a bit later. We'll um, get started and just do a little bit of a chat on what we'd be looking to cover this episode. So we'll dive into just, I guess, what the markets have been doing. A couple of key news articles, just touch on some updates regarding Australian regulations and the upcoming Australian Blockchain Week. Touch on the Ape Queen mania. I'm sure everyone's caught wind of by now. Uh, a couple of new interesting bits just from Instagram as well as HSBC. Just, I guess, some more institutional news. We'll dive into that. And yeah, lastly, we'll just finish up with a few top gainers in the markets and just some overall performance stats. But I guess to start it off, Tommy, like, what's your thoughts been on the market since the last time we spoke? Yeah, I mean, the last podcast we did was, um, <laughs> I feel like I came away from it thinking, Jesus, paint a bit of a doom and gloom picture on, on the whole thing with the, with the war happening and everything else. But listen, we're back now. We're refreshed. It's good. In the last couple of weeks, I guess the market is, I feel like it's kind of made a decision of late. Um, you know, just like I said on the intro, like just as we started recording, we've just seen a, a bit of a breakout. ETH just pumped over 3000 US. Bitcoin's broke 42K, which is a kind of a, a key level we've been watching for quite a while. So. You know, whatever about the last two weeks, it definitely, I just, I get the impression, I guess, just watching it for a while, that there seems to be a bit of a sentiment change happening in maybe in the last week or so. And, and I think we're, um, yeah, I'm not saying we're, we're out of the woods with, with downward momentum, but, but we're definitely seeing a, a change in behaviors in the market currently anyway. Yeah, exactly. Cause we, I guess we've been seeing it day in, day out, just trying to find, I guess, you know, when's the sort of trend going to break and what's it going to look like. And, yeah, I think like, you know, me and you talk about all the time, like usually, you know, when things go a bit quiet, there's not too many people talking about it. You know, you start to see a bit of an uptick in some of the more FUD style articles, um, kind of just waiting for the first sign of hopefully things improving. So, you know, I dare say I want to call it too early, but, you know, it's looking pretty good right now. Yeah, it's harder to jump on and it's even harder to jump on sometimes and do the podcast. Like, I mean, <laughs> like you, you're trying to, you know, like you, you want to keep the good news, right? And, it's, you know, there's a heap of good news happening across the crypto space. We covered, I guess, just the, the mass adoption and the lens or the microscope being put towards crypto and blockchain and the whole industry throughout the saga with Russia and Ukraine, right? Like, I think it's, there's never been a, a more bullish endorsement for the technology, right? So, so I mean, there's, you know... You, they're the kind of things that we have to paint, but you know, we, we haven't had a lot to go on in the market, but it definitely looks like that something is about to happen at the moment. And, you know, obviously not, like you said, not calling it too early, but it definitely looks like there is needs that sentiment change that I mentioned. Absolutely. And there's been some pretty key things, I think, just happens geopolitically as well as just globally in terms of macro news too. So I know that, you know, the last couple of days, if not week, the S&P and NASDAQ have also started to look a bit more healthier too. So again, you know, when the money's sitting on the sideline, waiting redeployment you know if you see it there and we see a positive tick in crypto space too it's hard not to think of it as a better case scenario than where we were um you know we've had that recent update from the fed the interest rate hike was as expected so when anything's as expected uh, usually there's less fear to jump back into the markets 
that being said, like, you know, obviously there's more potential interest rate hikes to come. So whether or not the markets will be very hypersensitive to before those key news announcements again, I think that's something that's going to be pretty important to watch. But I think also, like you mentioned, you about the tension uh, overseas as well. There's, you know, seem to be seeing it a little bit less and less in the news. So whether or not that situation sort of leveling out a bit too, creating the investors with the mindset that there's, you know, it's a safe enough time to potentially start moving back into their positions. Um, you know, that could hopefully be what we're seeing right now. But it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've we've had global uncertainty for last you know, three or four podcasts we, we've been covering. So it's like... Block of black swans, like you said, mate. Yeah, the black swans were just just lined up one after another. So like that that uncertainty is what the market was was pricing in. So, you know, that's why we had these sharp sell-offs, you know, start of the year and over the last few months. And it definitely seems like, I mean, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to call it too early. I mean, it could be something else around the corner that we're not foreseeing right now, but it's definitely it seems like the market has kind of come to terms with all that volatility and you know that those extreme macro events so i think that it's definitely in terms of the sentiment has to be more bullish than anything right now and in terms of where we sit and it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of what happens next you know everything isn't over obviously in in russia and ukraine so you know obviously we need to need to watch watch quite closely as well yeah absolutely so I think uh, there was some new news that's come through just about, I guess, changes in the regulation environment within Australia. I think you sort of mentioned a little bit about that, Tommy, a bit earlier. Yeah. So we've been following uh, Blockchain Week in Australia. is a um, very exciting event that's happening in Australia all this week. And um, I guess there's there's been an announcement around crypto regulation and some of the foreseen changes around regulation and how exchanges are kind of governed and custody of crypto assets and taxation. There's a number of topics in there, but the Minister for Digital Economy, Jane Hume, she gave an announcement essentially that um, the government have a regime or they have a plan in play. Potentially a little bit political in terms of, you know, they're they're still looking for votes and, and trying to get in and they're trying to get the crypto people behind them. So it's a, it is an interesting play, but, but essentially what they want to do is like establish a markets licensing regime for, for crypto exchanges. I think the way she pinned it was crypto, crypto exchanges will, will receive like a, a verification of business and like a, an Australian made badge of approval is how she pinned it. But essentially it's, um, it's going to be all very much reliant on whether, you know, the liberals get back in and, and if they, it's kind of part of their play for uh, getting the crypto people on side and and you know if it does go the other way and it goes to that labor government well you know it could be a bit of a restart again and i guess it's it's going to be less sure about the, the regulations and obviously that blockchain australia week is happening right now swiftx will be attending that one on friday they're, they're coming up to brisbane so that'll be pretty cool and yeah it's been an industry-wide event and one that's really exciting for australia and I guess the picture that I'm trying to paint overall is that uh, you know Australia has a massive opportunity to become like a global powerhouse in blockchain and crypto, and the opportunity is is kind of on our doorstep. We have the talent, you know, we have the money in the system, and and there's there's a lot of things going our way. So it remains to be seen where where those regulations lie. But but yeah, it's a it's an interesting story and and one that we will be obviously watching very very closely, being in exchange to uh, how that develops. Yeah, it's one definitely to benefit consumers quite a lot, I think, just to create a bit more of a safer environment and sort of framework into how it should all work, essentially. I think there's a lot of wins. I think everyone's waiting for that one to obviously just get over the line. So it's exciting to hear there's some developments there. That's awesome. The other thing that's been making news lately is a bit of ApeCoin mania. So I don't know if... Did you catch on to any ApeCoin mania? Uh I mean, you, you can't miss it, man. It's it's absolutely everywhere. I mean, Snoop Dogg and Eminem are all over these things, right? Like, but it's been, yeah, I guess 
the Board Ape Yacht Club is what we're talking about when we talk about Ape Mania and um, and the launching of uh, their new token. So I guess for anyone that doesn't know, Board Ape Yacht Club is the most expensive brand of NFTs that that is out there, and it's it kind of has a celebrity endorsement as well as just being goddamn expensive to get it. And I can say that I didn't get one. Uh, Pav, I don't know. Have you been on that one earlier yourself? Just the token, not the NFTs at all. I mean, before this podcast, I thought I'd get everyone some nice stats on if they were interested in jumping into the NFT space and acquiring a board ape. The most expensive one sold in January this year for 289 ETH, which at the time clocked in just under a million US dollars, so 910K. Right. Uh, and right now, if you you know if you just can't wait and you want to get one, you can buy one right now on OpenSea for eighty five ETH, so two hundred and fifty two thousand dollars. So it's definitely a very prestigious club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, I mean, there's a, there's a bit of a story here, right? Because obviously these things are prestigious. When they launched, I believe there were about 0.5 or one Ethereum, like when uh, they launched initially. Oh yeah, goodness. so like you know, look at the upside there. Whoever bought that one at 0.5 or, or one eat, you know, turned that whatever it was. Say, let's say it's three k USD into a million dollars USD, which is insane. You know, a lot of these stories coming out around the NFT space. That I guess the T space in general in the last few months has been, you know, quite suppressed in terms of the price and the market has has kicked everything pretty much. So, so I guess there's no surprise that NFTs got hit too, but it could potentially be an industry that recovers quite quickly. I mean, absolutely everybody and their grandmother is talking about NFTs at the oh, moment, man. you know, be it, be it music, sports, property. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think it's funny you, you watch like Facebook and Twitter and these things and people had to joke about NFTs and right-clicking and saving in this path. So <laughs> um, it's kind of, for me, it's like, well, if you right-clicked and saved your NFT, you would not have got the airdrop that they applied to the owners. So do you want to yeah. dig into that airdrop, Pav? Yeah, so it was uh, 10,008 tokens, which once that eight token did list, the, the native governance token that it is, it did clock in a value of about 17 US dollars. So, you know, you were looking at potentially about, yeah, 170K just for holding the NFT as well. So I think that sort of, again, just sort of alludes that yeah, if you hold these sort of exclusive tokens, it, you know, there's no guarantees, but in this situation, like they did, I guess, return the favor to all the holders. Yeah. Uh, and basically, value, right? You, you get, you get value. the value back by, by actually having the ownership, right? So, yeah. Right click save argument is really discounted there. So, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I like the analogy on Instagram. You could easily take a selfie of yourself with a Lamborghini, but at the end of the day, someone's going to call you out eventually, you know? So, that's right. It's all perceived ownership. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's amazing to think, you know, these holders of that NFT have essentially got dropped 170,000 USD into their wallets just for holding that, that particular NFT. So, I mean, it's, it's huge. It's awesome. And it's, um, th- these are the kind of stories, I guess, that will get people really thinking about it. You know, yeah, there's the value, right? There's the value in owning a collectible. There's the value in owning a piece of music or a painting or whatever it is. So, yeah, it's, it, it is. It is interesting. And I, I, honestly, I'm, I'm not an expert in NFTs. I don't never pretend to be, but um, I definitely see the value in in it long term. And it's hard to get your head around sometimes, but but definitely something that we, I think, I believe for sure, it's definitely not going anywhere. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I've even seen ever since this law came news, um, some other use cases for other NFTs. So. Uh, there's a couple of groups of affluent sort of business people. Like they have like closed groups, you know, be it Discord or Telegram. And, you know, to be able to even enter that ecosystem, you have to hold 
uh, one of these type or style of very limited release NFTs to kind of prove your wealth almost. So it's pretty much like it is just any way you can kind of create like a barrier of entry where you can sort of, yeah, create an exclusivity or create a little club. I mean, that's that's always been ingrained into society in some way, shape or form. So, I mean, this is just a different spin, a different flavor, really. And SwiftX listed AppCoin as well. So it is on SwiftX. Which I definitely got on and had to wear the brunt of it going down, but it's looking not too bad right now. So not financial advice, obviously. Um, yeah. <laughs> always got to work that in. The mar- market's just popped over 2 trillion as well. Like I'm, I'm kind of live really? streaming it here. I'm live streaming it here as part of the podcast. <laughs> Would it be out of order if I, if I start making trades while we're recording the podcast? That'd be fine, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, you know, we're lucky that it's not a live one. Otherwise, you might have got caught out. But no. By yeah. All means. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's happening in Instagram? Yeah, similar story. Like it's hard to move away from the narrative right now. But uh, Meta, so the parent company behind Facebook and Instagram, we're working on a yeah non fungible sort of interface for Instagram. So that's straight out of the Zuckman's mouth. That's that's something that's definitely in the works, and obviously they've been probably chipping away at it for some time now. So uh, it's speculated to have the option of minting NFTs through Instagram, as well as looking to show off your own collection. So. Yeah, it's again like what more? It just keeps keeps being a recurrent theme, really. So there's just more and more. It feels like Instagram is made for like it's like an open. Yeah, it feels like a it feels like an NFT marketplace already. Like without even making any changes. Like you know, obviously it's all about the pictures, right? So um, Mm. yeah, that's that's a really interesting one. It's going to be interesting to see if they tie it to any kind of like transactional or like any type of currency. Obviously, they've knocked their um their stablecoin project on the head. So yeah. I think they yeah, I think they sold that to um one of the tech banks in the US, like I think Silvergate or Signature or something like that. They sold the project off to those guys. So yeah. it's gonna be interesting to see if they tie like, kind of like what Twitter did with, with Bitcoin payments and Lightning. Like are they gonna actually turn it into a, a marketplace and you know allow people to transact and have the native currency in Instagram as well. That's gonna be uh really interesting to see how that plays out. Think so. I think still again a spot to watch, but yeah. I mean, the next news piece we've got is pretty much the same sort of line. You know, HSBC as well as moving into the NFT space as well. So, you know, they've acquired a piece of virtual real estate within the Sandbox metaverse as part of its larger partnership with Sandbox. So they're looking to engage with more sports, esports, and gaming fans in that array. Uh, they're also accompanied by other big groups and partners and other gaming firms. You've got uh, Warner Music Group in there as well, Gucci, Adidas. And I think a fortnight or two ago, we also talked about Sequoia Capital, another big investment firm in the US, also acquiring an office in the metaverse. So again, you just can't move for this type of stuff. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that like, if you actually think about that, like a bank's buying virtual real estate, like, yeah. I don't know. I I just think it's it, it, we gla- we gloss over this stuff because it happens so often, all right? But it's it's you know even six twelve months ago, banks were like, "Not crypto is a scam. Crypto is crypto is for criminals." Like all this narrative is running. You know, we've covered it numerous times on the podcast and just talking to each other about crypto. It's just these things can't be understated, and I think. Yeah, you know, we do kind of gloss over them sometimes. You know, we had a big announcement, um, Commonwealth Bank as well, supporting crypto trading or, or custody or something like that. They're going to get into um, this year as well. So, like, it's not just happening in the US or in, you know Hong Kong. It's happening in Australia as well. So, um, yeah, really, really bullish overall. And and I seen Goldman Sachs have just this morning actually um, an announcement that they had completed some OTC over the counter trades with Galaxy Digital. 
which is oh wow use Mike Mike Novogratz's company. Mike Mike Novogratz was a a speaker at the Blockchain Australia Week. He wasn't in attendance, but zoomed himself in for a, a segment. So that was really cool too. Nice. A lot of big names at that event, as I mentioned. But yeah, I mean, Goldman Sachs have, you know, I think they were in support of crypto and then they, they kind of banned it for a while and they're coming back into it again and completing OTC trades now with, with a digital asset company like Galaxy Digital is, um, you know, it's big, big, big news. It's big news. It's one we probably don't, doesn't get the big impact of, uh, you know, retail, but it's, but it's big news in, in the corporate world, I would say. Absolutely. Like anything that's happening in a derivative manner, like in crypto right now, like that's something that, you know, the traditional guys have kept away from just due to bad liquidity. It's not ripe conditions to move large amounts of money. So, I mean, if these guys are moving, I don't even want to know how many zeros. Like obviously, this some early signs of strength that infrastructure is there through someone like Galaxy Digital to create those sort of contracts. So, I mean, there's, that's, that's pretty bullish, uh, in my opinion. Uh, it's pretty cool. I had a good one, Tommy. Um, like another thing that I like to pull up, just trying to, I guess, work out where we are in the market is uh, on-chain metrics. So basically looking at the movement of assets on the blockchain. So there's a great website that's you can access free resources there as well called Glassnode. And one of their reports, you can actually look at the amount of Bitcoin specifically moving between people's wallets and moving between exchanges. So the general gist is when people are moving more Bitcoin onto exchanges, it's a good indication that they're looking to liquidate and sell that back into cash or stable coins or other assets, etc. Uh, but when it's moving off exchanges, it's usually going into safekeeping. So we're currently sitting at uh, a mostly negative net exchange flow. So more people taking it off exchanges than putting it on. And if you kind of move it out to, I guess, historically, you know, what other periods has it been at these sort of similar levels? Um, it, it really falls nicely into that. Uh, a little dip we had in the June-July period. So that July recovery that we had in crypto, we're basically seeing the similar sort of netic flows out of exchanges as as that point in time. So, you know, call that accumulation, call that buying the dip. Mm, hodlers. Yeah, it just, again, helps sort of articulate a bit more further where we potentially could be within the current cycle of where price is right now for Bitcoin specifically. So again, you know, if we're starting to see a positive uptick now as well, it's um, hopefully just painting that sort of narrative that, you know, there is a bit of buying happening and um, we could be moving on to the next point of resistance and hopefully slipping that into system support. So that'd be pretty cool to see. Other than that, we've had some updates from the Terra Luna ecosystem. So I know a lot of people are involved in that space. Um, the most notable news there is they've recently added Bitcoin as a part of their UST treasury. So I know, Tommy, I think you personally are involved in that one. Yeah, I've been I've been playing around with, with Terra Luna for a while. And I, I know there's a lot of our SwiftX users are are big, big Luna lunatics or Luna fans as well. But um <laughs> yeah, couldn't let that one yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't. But if, yeah, it's UST has a big use case, you know, under decentralized finance with Anchor Protocol. They pay, you know, it's about nineteen and a half percent at the moment on a on a stable coin earning, right? So there's a big use case there and, and a big part of that mechanism to hold the peg on UST. At like one US dollar is is through a mechanism of burning Luna Luna tokens. So essentially, the more the more UST that's minted, the more Luna gets burned, and it in turn should, I guess, you know, as the token gets burned, it drives the, the price up or has a a positive sentiment on the on the price. But um, I guess them adding BTC as part of their treasury, I guess to hedge the need for burning of Luna every time it needs to keep a peg is I think it's good overall. I mean, people that hold Luna. 
might like a lot of Luna might not be as bullish on it, but I think overall for the whole ecosystem, it's uh, it's really good news. I mean, the the good points of that are you know there's less risk on rebalancing for USD, and then the bad side is obviously you know less less of a burn on on Luna. So you know it, it depends, I guess, what side of that you're on. I mean, people that are in that ecosystem are generally on both sides of it. So I think overall for the whole ecosystem, it's um it's really good news, and and it's one that I'm sure we'll be uh, we'll be hearing about more as the market grows. And you know we've like I said, we've we've just seen some breaks in the market as we speak, and and um I think Luna is one to watch, right? Like it's kind of steadily climbed that that market cap, and it's I believe it's sitting in the top ten now as well, which kind of it kind of came out of nowhere for me. Yeah, no, I agree. Like it's something I sort of half paid attention to and you blink and it sort of, yeah, it just always seems to be the, the one sort of performing for the week um, quite a bit lately. It's on number seven by market cap and it kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, it's done 100% in the last month or so. So yeah, pretty good, pretty good gains. I still remember it from last year, Tommy, we were sitting next to each other and it was like five bucks and I was like, oh yeah, this looks overpriced. How wrong I was. <laughs> <laughs> no surprise there. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, yeah, you, you can't take a stab at everything and be right, you know? But um, I guess other sort of movements in the sort of DeFi space specifically, so ThorChain, Rune, it's up about 100% in the last 14 days. But I think very similar to sort of Luna, you know, take it back in the last couple of weeks, even prior to that, it, it's it's definitely been outperforming a lot of the markets. They're very much outpacing. So uh, ThorChain in itself is, you know, cross-chain compatible. It's a autonomous liquidity network, which basically is a complicated way of saying that it provides access to a lot of liquidity across multiple chains um, throughout the blockchain ecosystem. So again, just the sort of narrative that there's a lot of transactions happening right now. People want to do them in a way that's cost effective. So that's obviously um, having some positive effects on the Thor chain network as well. So that's pretty cool. Actually, one, I, one I've actually noticed, Pav, you talk about trends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one I've noticed is um, the privacy coins. So I've got a bit of a theory, and this is purely a speculative theory. <laughs> but if you look at Zcash and you look at Dash and a few of the other privacy kind of layer coins, I mean, they're not fully private anyway, but some people think they're not fully private. Yeah, you can still uh, monitor them on the blockchain with like chain analysis or elliptic of these guys. But a lot of these privacy coins have been moving up in the in the market cap. Um, Zcash and Dash, like I mentioned, have, have had some pretty bullish price action in the last few weeks. My theory on it is that the sanctions around Ukraine, Russia, and even China and these places of late have kind of got people thinking about, you know, um, I think it's pretty, the narrative in the, in the news now is kind of shifting from, you know, you do use Bitcoin, it's all on, on chain and it's all very yeah, okay. simple, whereas people yeah. still have a bit of a, you know, they think they can use like Monero and they can use Zcash and Dash and these ones as, as um, you know, escaping regulation and they use, you know, tumblers and mixers and things, whatever else they use to, try and hide the transactions but that's my theory on it i could be completely wrong i don't know if you seem to make sense yeah like it's just following the news and what's happening like it's been a narrative like obviously a lot of sanctions got laid out i think russia effectively got sent back to the age of the fax machine with all of those um, removals from the swift network um really encumbered the, the way that i guess a lot of businesses that might transact with the rest of the world so I don't know if that's a case point for a lot of these privacy coins, but you know, the average person might just think, what more can I do to potentially protect myself, I guess? I mean, that's, I don't know, that, that's what I read into it. I guess it's a pretty similar thing that yourself, but we'll never know really. But I mean, what other reason could there be? I mean, I don't know if anyone else knows, maybe send us a little, little message on Instagram, what you might be thinking, what else could have potentially, you know, caused the, yeah, the recent exactly. price rise. Yeah, Zcash has done uh, nearly 80% in the last kind of month, 52% in, in the last two weeks kind of thing. And Dash is something similar. Dash, I think, has done 
40 percent or so in the last week so yeah it's definitely a bit of a trend there i guess that we're kind of spotting are we spotting it early probably not early at this stage but but at least we're um we're highlighting it that it is there and yeah definitely one to watch a bit closer as the markets change the trends are definitely trends like you know we've spoke in probably 60 percent of this podcast about nfts and you know be, be silly not to mention if any assets have been performing um so 101 that was able to sort of see is uh, Audio or Audius, which is up 51% in the last week. So they're basically looking to decentralize the way music is streamed. So what people might, you know, think of something like Spotify as at the moment, and they're based on the Solana network. So, you know, I guess you could peg that with a couple of key news pieces lately. But I mean, if, you know, Instagram is looking to list the ability to sell NFTs on the marketplace and, you know, you're wanting to sell music yourself without any middleman, like, you know, a decentralized music streaming platform like Audius might be a good value proposition. And maybe that's what the market's thinking as well. So I think we talked about it in the past quite a bit on the podcast that when these things do run true, it is a good time to be doing your homework and sort of trying to understand what has had a bit of a run and, you know, what could potentially be a similar style project or in the same sort of category that might have its sort of time in the sun next. I think this is a great time to, you know, if you haven't been paying attention, just to start writing the names down and creating a watch list that you think you might want to keep an eye on and just seeing what that does. Very rarely do you obviously get it right, but it's it's an awesome time. There's no question about the value in the market. I mean, you just look at, I think we were chatting about it earlier. Like you look at the, there's four stablecoin projects in the, the top 20, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's all just value that that's, either came out of other assets and, and is kind of sitting on the sidelines waiting to see if the market makes up its mind. And you know, people have their favorite stable coins, like you've got you've got um, Tether, you've got USDC and Joy and that Terra UST that we were talking about earlier. Like they're the four that are kind of sitting in the top 20 by, by market cap in the moment. It's interesting. It's kind of like it's at a pivot point, right? Where there's a lot of money locked into these projects that it can be very easily deployed. It's kind of like if it was a fiat currency saying that there's you know, all these billions of, of Australian dollars or US dollars just kind of waiting for the market to make up its mind to see what happens next. So I think that's um that's another kind of trend, I guess, that that we've seen as well, Pav, like is the stablecoin rise and the increase in, in those stablecoins, you know, over time. So it's been I think there's actually five. Yeah, there's five in the top twenty stablecoins, which is insane for me. That would be cool just to walk away from this to look at. I've never quite checked it out, but look, we like I guess not specifically on the podcast, but I know you and I, we talk about Bitcoin dominance quite a bit. I wonder what the stablecoin dominance would look like historically. Yeah, we'll have to get, a, get into a bit of work for the next one, Matt, and, um, and talk to the fans after that on the next podcast. But um, Matt, it's been awesome to have listened. Uh, I've actually really enjoyed that chat today. I think it's been really good. And guys, if, if you did as well, I think sentiment was a lot better today. And we're obviously very bullish. The market's just starting to make some moves. If, um, you know, if you enjoyed this one, like subscribe, follow us on Instagram, send us messages, send us questions. We're always keen to interact with you guys and cover any kind of pressing issues on the next podcast. But, um, we'll, uh, we'll catch you next time. All the best. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon.